In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. I'll read the um, the uh, Acts from today. Of course, as we know, today is the Feast of Pentecost, or the Descent of the Spirit on the uh, Apostles. Um, let's read together the the uh, the Acts reading from this morning from the liturgy. It comes to us from uh, Acts chapter 2. <coughs> it says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. So, of course, as we know, the day of Pentecost, the Penta is five, so it's 50 days after the resurrection uh, of the Lord, and this is uh, the feast that we're celebrating today. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men, from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused, because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Parthians and Medes and Elamites, whose dwelling is in Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya, adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes. And actually here, if you'll notice, uh, he makes a distinction between the people that were there were from Egypt, right? And then he says, Cretans and Arabs. So there's a difference between the Arabs and the, and the people from Egypt, because at this time, the people in Egypt were speaking Coptic, right? And the Arabs were the ones who were speaking Arabic. So even on the day of Pentecost, the Coptic language was being uh, spoken. So they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mocking said, they are full of new wine. So when they heard them speaking like this, they said that they were intoxicated, right? Although an intoxicated person usually, when they're intoxicated, they become less um, mentally adequate, <laughs> right? But yet these individuals are speaking languages they didn't know, right? So this is a heightened sense of acuity and intelligence, not simply something that's a loss of therefore thereof. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, say, says God, that I will pour out uh, of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my maidservants and men uh, servants and maidservants, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The word of the Lord shall grow, multiply, be mighty, and confirmed in the holy church of God. Amen.
So this speaks about the descent of the Holy Spirit on the apostles and what occurred after that. And this was the speaking in tongues. Uh, I'd like to speak very briefly about this uh, gift of speaking in tongues. <coughs> and many people confuse this gift because it says here that they all heard them in their own language. So some people suggest that the apostles spoke and each one heard it with their own language. So they said something. It's almost like carrying a translator. You know, if, you know, if you have like all had like the translator on your ear, the person is speaking in whatever language they're speaking, and it's translated to you on whatever language that you speak. But then, if that was the case, then it should be called like the gift of ears or something like that. But it was called the gift of speaking in tongues. So the gift was not with the hearers, but the gift was with the apostles, the speakers, right? So it was a gift that they were able to speak a language and be fluent in a language that they didn't know and weren't familiar with. And and what makes it even more miraculous is, you know, anybody who learns a second language or learns, it's very difficult, right? You're not, you're not fluent in the second language. You start by a few words and then maybe a few phrases. You ask like the basics, how do I use the restroom? Where is this? Where is that? Just those few phrases. But now, add on top of that, now there's there, the reason for this gift was to preach the gospel. So now they needed the capability to describe the Trinity, right? The Eucharist. And all of these things are very complicated, and they need the vocabulary. So where are they going to get it from? And even if they had a translator, you know, this idea of like the Eucharist and all was very novel at the time. So even I told a Jew who spoke the language, he wouldn't understand in order to translate it, right? So it was very necessary that the apostles had this gift of tongue in the beginning of the church for the purpose of preaching and ministering uh, to the people. The gift was emphasized and popularized in the 20th century with the rise of the charismatic movement. <coughs> Charismata is a Greek for gift. Um, and later that this movement became known as Pentecostalism. Until this day, uh, they believe, Yeni, about speaking in tongues. So... Um, I'm going to focus uh, this morning um, just a few points. One, I'll speak about warning signs of signs and wonders in general. Uh, the second is what was the purpose of the gift of speaking in tongues and is the gift still active today? And then some final remarks. So what are some warning signs about um, or warnings about signs and wonders or miracles? Um, <clears throat> the apostles in their ministry, they, they valued more virtue more than the gifts of the Spirit, like speaking in tongues. For example, in Galatians chapter 5, uh, St. Paul speaks about the fruit of the Spirit. Um, uh, and these are the virtues, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. These are so valuable, right? And then you look at Matthew chapter 7, the Lord himself, what does he say? He says, many will, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many signs in your name? So the Lord himself was saying there are people that will come, that will do miracles, that will do signs and wonders, and they'll come in the last day and they'll ask him, uh, and then he says, I will declare to them, I never knew you depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. So the practicing of lawlessness will make the gifts of no, of no avail, of no use, right? So here the Lord is saying here, the practice of virtue is far more valuable and precious then the giving, the giving, the the spiritual gifts, right? Um, 
And obtaining these spiritual gifts should not be the goal of our spiritual life nor the source of one's joy. You know, sometimes when you get really uh, get deep in like reading like Orthodox mysticism, for example, uh, the Desert Fathers, and you see how they prayed and the gifts that were associated with this kind of prayer, sometimes we see, okay, well, I want to get closer to God to obtain these kinds of gifts, right? But then this is the wrong motive, right? Because as such, these gifts are given to individuals by God and not everybody gets them. There are many monks who live their whole entire life in the wilderness and are saints, but never have these gifts, right? Um, again, when the apostles went out to preach and they came back and told the Lord, Lord, we cast out demons and everything in your name. He said, nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. So he says, let your joy be that you are children of God and your names are written in heaven, not the fact that you have authority over the demons, right, or some kind of spiritual gift. Um, There's a man uh, in Acts chapter 8 whose name, uh, his name was Simon the Sorcerer. He used to be a sorcerer, or he was a sorcerer, uh, and he would deceive the people by his sorcery. And then when the apostles came and he saw their healings and wonders, he says, you know what, this comes nothing to my sorcery. I want what they have. So then he followed them, and he became baptized. He, ba he was baptized, and then he came up to Peter and said, "How much can I give you for this gift?" And <laughs> Peter rebuked him sh sharply. He says, um, uh, "And when Simon, uh, this is in chapter eight, verse eighteen. And when Simon saw that through the laying on of hands, the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, "Give me this power also, that anyone on whom I lay hands may receive the Holy Spirit." And St. Uh, 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 Peter rebuked him sharply and says, you have no share in this at all. right? So he, he rebuked him because he wants the gift for the wrong reason. He wants it as a way to display his authority. And maybe some of us, we might desire this not because to display our authority, but maybe to display my holiness right, to other people. So people look at me and say, you're holy and you're this and you're that. Also, uh, another warning about signs and wonders is that it can be associated with pride very easily that's why you'll really you'll never find a true miracle worker who's not extremely extremely humble or who has went through some kind of extreme suffering for the name of christ right so somebody who's like close to martyrdom and suffered for the sake of christ or somebody who's so 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 humble right because if god gives anybody these gifts besides them this can be a you know a, a trouble for them even paul himself he even did, you know, signs and wonders. But at one point, he wanted uh, to be healed of an illness that he had in his eye. Although it was his shadows that were healing the sick, but when it came to himself, to healing his eye problem, he prayed. He says he prayed three times, and the Lord didn't grant him this. And why did the Lord not grant him this? He answers in Second Corinthians 12, he says, And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. So he understood when he prayed to God and God denied him the healing of his eye, although this would make his ministry much more successful. But he, he, God denied him of this. Why? Because this thorn in the flesh would save him from pride. Right? Would save him from pride. Um... Also, those who follow signs or miracles are more likely to be deceived. You know, if I just follow after somebody who does a miracle worker or some, who does miracles or make kind of signs and wonders, 
I will very easily be deceived. Because we automatically assume that if somebody does a sign and a wonder, then he must be from God, and therefore whatever he says must be equal to Scripture. So I listen to it. But unfortunately, many people can be deceived. Why? Because St. Paul tells us that even the, uh, the demons can take the form of an angel, right? And, uh, and entice many and deceive many. So if I'm the type of just follows after wonders, I'm an easy target for Satan. He'll easy have somebody, you know, come and do some kind of miracle in front of me and easily lead me astray because I saw some miracle. So we have to be very cautious about anybody who does like signs and wonders or claims to do signs and wonders. First of all, anybody who's boasting of them, they're not humble, right? And whether they, they suffer extremely for his name or not. Remember these two. The real miracle workers are those who are extremely humble who have suffered in immensely for the name of Christ. Um, <clears throat> and the St. Paul warns us of this in Second Thessalonians 2. He says, The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan, with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception. So actually when the lawless one comes, when the Antichrist comes, he will come with these signs and wonders. So if my faith is built on signs and wonders, I'll be among those who are led astray. But if my faith is, as you know, if I see a sign and wonder, I'm okay. Or even if I'm always skeptical, that's fine, right? But my faith has nothing to do whether I see a sign and wonder. But my faith has to do with whom Christ is and his relation to me and my love for him, right? So what is the purpose of speaking in tongues? <clears throat> I'll give you just a brief definition. The speaking of tongues is a gift of the Holy Spirit by which a believer is given the ability to speak in a foreign language without having been taught it beforehand, as we established in the beginning. Um, <clears throat> and um, we mentioned that this miracle was necessary for the preaching of the people. But even it's even, even more remarkable that this gift was given to simple people. Right? These people were, most of the apostles were like uh, fishermen, right? They weren't university professors. They didn't study linguistics. They didn't have any, you know, really background. But they were very simple men, and they were giving this uh, gift uh, without formal education. Um, and what is the uh, effect of this um, uh, speaking in tongues at the time of the apostles? What is it was used for evangelism, as we said? Um, and certainly it was a miracle. And there was no, nobody denied that it was a miracle. And uh, in Corinthians, if you read through Corinthians, you'll find, you know, there's a famous chapter about love. Anybody know what that is? 13, right. Do you know why he speaks about uh, love in 13? So chapter 12 spoke about the gifts, the spiritual gifts. And then it ended by speaking about tongues. And then he says, but above them is love, Right. And then he speaks about how love is far better than speaking in tongues. So let me read for you a little bit at the, on chapter 14. So after he speaks about love, listen to what he says in chapter 14. He says, So likewise you, unless you utter by the tongue words easy to understand, how will it be known what is spoken? For you will be speaking into the air. There are, it may be, so many kinds of languages in the world and none of them is without significance. So he mentions here 
that language is important because it, you know it, for the people to understand and this is what makes it significant if i get up here and i start speaking coptic to you guys right and nobody understands a thing myself included right it would be of no value i'm up here just rambling and you're there and just listening to me make kind of these sounds out of my mouth right it's of no use therefore if i do not know the meaning of the language i shall be a foreigner to him who speaks and he who speaks will be a foreigner to me. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. So he makes here, okay, if you're going to speak in tongues, and mind you, this is shortly after the gift of the Holy Spirit. So the gift, the, the gift of this speaking in tongues was given to the apostles. And then it was still somewhat active at the time of uh, St. Paul. But then he starts to add to it. He says, okay, now that you have, some people have the gift to speak in tongues, now be cautious when you use it because the purpose was to minister to people to understand. So if you're with people and you're saying something that's in a foreign language that they don't understand, it's better for you to have an interpreter to, so that people can understand than for you to continue to speak, right? And he never said here that the gift of tongues was jibber-jabber. It wasn't a foreign language that humanity doesn't know, right? Again, which is contrary to what many believe, that it's some foreign language that nobody knows. No, but it was the languages that weren't familiar to them. And he listed them. So he's saying here that if somebody is speaking, like for example, preaching, if I go to Japan and I want to give a sermon, right? I don't know any Japanese or any, any of the Asian languages, right? So naturally when I go, I'm going to have an interpreter. So I'm going to speak and then the interpreter will translate what I'm saying to the hearers so that they, may, that, that they may understand. So he's saying the same thing. If you're speaking in a language and the hearers don't understand then have someone translate so maybe in this example if he was speaking Coptic and the people that were listening were Jews they don't understand so he said make sure there's somebody who understands Coptic and, and Hebrew and let them translate to the Hebrew speakers right you understand how was so the last point is is this gift still active in the church uh, today um, there's a verse, a very important verse, in 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 13, verse 8. At the conclusion, when he speaks about love, he says, Love never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. So St. Paul is saying here that there will come a time where the tongues will cease. But before that, he says that the prophecies will fail. So it says there's going to come a time where the prophecies will fail. What does this mean when the prophecies will fail? You know, when the prophecies fail, when the fulfillment has come, right? So before the Messiah came, there were the prophecies about the Messiah, right? But when the Lord Jesus came, are there any more need for prophecies about the Messiah? No, it failed, right? They don't, they don't need them because the fulfillment was here. We use them now, of course, to affirm that he was the Messiah, but we need no new you know, um, prophecies about the coming of the Messiah because he came, right? So he says the prophecies will fail. The same thing with the tongues. He says, whether there are tongues, they will cease. So the question is, when will the tongues cease? When there are preachers who understand the dogma of the church and can preach it in their own language, right? There's no need, for example, for somebody to speak in tongues and speak in English because there are many people who speak in English that can explain the Trinity and the Eucharist and all of these things, right? Um, so now, with the and even at the time of the apostles, with the uh, preaching, 
that was happened um, very quickly, and the teaching of the people, they rose from among the people, people who can explain now to the native speakers in their own language. So there's no need for it, right? And this is the thing, like, you know, there's no need for a miracle where we can, you know, do it ourselves, right? You might hear, okay, maybe there were signs and wonders of healings at the time of Christ more than now. Well, the medical advancement now is much more advanced than it was at the time of Christ, right? So there's not as big of a need. Is there a need? Sure, right? There are diseases now that me modern medicine can't heal. And there are times where miracles, God does perform miracles within these situations. Um, <clears throat> so it was given to the apostles, the gift of tongues was given to the apostles for the sake of communicating to the foreigners. Once they believed and spread the gospel to their land the, uh, in their native tongue, there was no need. So now there's no need uh, and there's no lack of a communication, especially nowadays, you know, with the, the inventions of Google Translate and the like. You know, you can, you, you can like, <laughs> I can sometimes, I can go, there's an, a page in Arabic. Uh, there's a, a really good um, uh, Arabic uh, priest who does, has really nice commentaries on, on scripture. So I can just load the page, and I don't read Arabic. I can load the page and then go up to the top and have Google translate the whole page. And I can, it's not good, it's not perfect, but I can get what he's saying, because I don't understand what he's trying to say. So I can read the translation and kind of understand what the point is, right? So, I mean, really there's no need for tongues when we have uh, people that can speak in Google Translate. It's <laughs> probably the only time you're going <laughs> to compliment Google Translate. Um, God wants a man to participate in the work of salvation um, in the way that he is able, and God will do what we cannot. And there are many examples of this. For example, the feeding of the five loaves and the two fish, right? The Lord took and he asked them, what do you have? And they said, we have five loaves and two fish, and they needed to feed 5,000. So the Lord took the five loaves and two fish and blessed them, and they fed the multitude. Do you think the Lord, who created the food for the 5,000, could have started with nothing? Sure. He said he could have just said, give me an empty basket. Even the wedding of Cana of Galilee, do you think he needed the water? No. <laughs> you could have said, give me empty pots, and I'll fill them up with wine, new wine. No, but he wants us to do what we can do, and then he will do what we cannot do, right? And this always have to remember that it's a cooperation. God doesn't want us to stand by as bystanders, but he also wants us to be cooperators uh, or cooperating with him. Again, the healing of the man born blind. He took the, he spat on the ground, made clay, anointed his eyes, and told him to wash in the pool of Siloam. Do you think he needed to wash in the pool of Siloam? No. He wanted to test his faith, but he really didn't need anything. He could have just spoken, and he said, here are your new eyes. Couldn't he? Did he not create the whole universe by the word? He certainly could have created his eyes by a word. But he wants him to participate in the work. right? And when we participate in the work of God, it's more valuable to us. And then imagine when we value God and we value the church and we value him, when we go and preach to others, we'll be preaching to them something valuable. Right? And this is the key. Like if I'm preaching to somebody and on myself I don't value it, then what good is it going to do? Right? What message am I going to deliver? Um, <clears throat> so just uh, some final remarks. Um, uh, the gift of tongues, even at the time uh, of the apostles, was not a common gift. Not all believers received the gift, but only... Uh, certain of the apostles received the gift and some believers um, 
Some Pentecostals uh, preach that those who do not speak in tongues do not have the Holy Spirit. So they say, okay, well, this gift of the Holy Spirit is a sign that you receive the Holy Spirit. But again, even again at the early church, we don't hear of all the apostles, you know, speaking in tongues, right? There were some did that and some that did not. Um, so for them, it's a sign of salvation. It's a sign of God's acceptance, you know, for an individual. Um, also, the speaking of tongues is not the greatest of gifts. Again, as I mentioned before, when he was speaking about love, he says, he who prophesies is greater than he who speaks with tongues, unless indeed he interprets the church may receive edification. So the prophecy here in the New Testament is about preaching, right? Preaching the word of God and preaching to the people. So he says, this is far more valuable than speaking in tongues, right? Because if I preach, the people can be edified and can repent and be saved. But when I simply speak in tongues, and no one understands, then it's of no value, right? So it's far more valuable to pre uh, prophesy or preach than to speak with tongues. Speaking in tongues is not associated with a high level of spirituality or ecstasy. Um, as I mentioned earlier, um, it's, uh, it's not something that is endowed on anybody or who is of high spiritual rank. Um, and it doesn't indicate that you know, at all, uh, especially nowadays. Um, so, as I mentioned in the beginning, we have to be very cautious not to be deceived um, by any signs and wonders, including those who proclaim that they speak in tongues. Um, for God is not the author of confusion, but the author of peace, right? Uh, and he institutes the church to be a messenger to the world. So, part of that is to be understood, right? So, if speaking in tongues is not going to be understood, then it edifies no one. Uh, does anybody have any uh, questions or comments? Yes. But here I think in the, the distinction is this person is proclaiming that a miracle has been done to them, not that they are doing miracles. It'd be very different if somebody posted on YouTube and says, you know what, I went to the hospital and I put my hand on somebody and they were healed. And then I went and I, uh, I put my hand on the TV while we were FaceTiming and I healed somebody through FaceTime. Mm, that would lend itself to more skepticism. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Some people choose to do that. Some people choose to keep it internally and, and let it be a cause for change in their life. But the key that you said that there was a change in the life, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, there are many miracles that are happening, Yanni, uh, in the world that we don't know of. Um, but I'll tell you, like, I think for me, you know, being a priest, the greatest miracle that I've seen is somebody who repents. It's very easy, you know, it's easier to heal somebody from a disease than to convince them that they're sinners and that they need Christ. So when I see somebody, by the grace of God, who really repents, 
and I can identify their sin and want to change, to me this is the, this is the, this is the thing that makes me the happiest ever, right? And really God sends, sometimes he sends me comfort by sending me these people that repent. You think sometimes that, you know, like uh, Abuna judges us, actually when you repent, it's quite the contrary. When there's sincere repentance, there's actually a praise. The sin doesn't matter. Really, it's the, the sincerity of the repentance. And it's so beautiful, right, to witness. Uh, and I count myself fortunate to be able to yani, witness this. Um, but really, that is the greatest miracle. Because I can ha somebody can experience a miracle and still go on and have no relationship with God. But somebody who knows their sin and really repents, it's life-changing, right? And this will be the cause for their salvation. A miracle can't save, but repentance can. Oh, absolutely. There's a joy in heaven, for sure. <laughs> and on earth. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, there were many people, but we don't, you know, we don't hear about it because the the authors of scripture, yeah, and he, they didn't feel it was re relevant, right, for us to know. And if you think about Saint Mary, she'd be the most qualified. Uh, yeah, and she had Christ Himself. She didn't, and she didn't even write any of the Gospels, right? She would, she would, she would have been the one that was most qualified to write one of the Gospels, but she didn't write or say a word, you know. Thank God. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, uh, there's no phone. There's no communication. It's, it's different. Different. <laughs> I can't imagine. I can't imagine how they did it. I can't imagine like uh, like 30 years ago being a priest without like a phone. I mean, actually, I, I do. I don't. I, I can imagine it and I fantasize about it. But, <laughs> but uh, so long are those days. <laughs> so long are those days. <laughs> I remember when they first came out. The cell phones first came out. A friend of mine, I, he uh, he had a pager, and I said, and I didn't have a phone, and asked him, uh, why don't you get a phone? He's like, I don't want it. It's like a portable leash. My mom will call me and tell me to go here and go there and go do this. And I said, you know, you're probably right. <laughs> so. <laughs> Any other questions? Okay. Glory be to God forever. Amen. We'll say a prayer and then we'll begin the. Um, hmm? Do we have a break? Okay. If we begin at one, will you come back or should we just start now? Hmm? One? Okay. We'll say a prayer and then we'll stick to this head. Finally, Lord, accept our prayers and intercession to your beloved Mother, ever Virgin, Theotokos, St. Mary, and all the saints. Hear us when we say, Thankfully, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Now, love of God, the Father, whose grace, and only begotten Son, our Lord, God, and Savior, Jesus Christ, give flesh and communion of the Holy Spirit. Be with you all. Go in peace, peace, the Lord. Be with you all. Amen.